This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. This episode of Vet Candy is sponsored by Alanco Animal Health, makers of Synovi G4 Joint Health Chews for Dogs. Another episode of Vic Candy's podcast in other news. This is a podcast that will expand your idea of what is impacting the veterinary world. Veterinarians and all animal care professionals as humans. We are your co-hosts. I'm Dr. Jen. And I'm Dr. Jason Chatfield. If you are not yet a Vet Candy subscriber, why not? Please subscribe for free today at myvetcandy.com. And if you have a positive message full of love, you can reach me at jen at myvetcandy.com. And as usual, if you want to get real, send them to me at jason at myvetcandy.com. All right. So today's episode, I'm pretty excited. Are you excited, Jason? I'm always excited. But today, I am especially excited. That's right. That's right. The candy verse is all a flutter. So our topic today is osteoarthritis. In other news, dogs get achy joints also. Not just me, right? All my joints ache, right? I blame it on all the all the high-flying acrobatic things I used to do on the basketball court, but pretty sure it's just overweight. But anyways, happens to dogs also and cats and everything with joints, right? I know, I know. And ha- like now I don't make fun of Charlene. So Charlene's like seven, maybe eight. And uh, I don't make fun of her for making all those noises when she gets up and when she lays down. Because pretty sure this morning when I woke up and, you know, like moved my hands around and started moving like all of me, I, I was probably, uh, you know, groaning a bit. You don't make fun of her because you're too busy making the exact same grunts and groans, like getting out of bed, right? Yeah. But you have to be careful because if you point to me as a, and call that an age-related issue, I'm going to point right back at you. That's fine. No problem. I'm okay with that. But I don't really know too much about osteoarthritis except that it exists and I don't like it. Yes. I know a little more. It it hurts. But uh, as per the norm, I think I think we got somebody that does. We do. Luckily, we are joined today. It's so very exciting. We love it when Dr. Courtney Campbell joins us on the podcast. How are you doing, Dr. Courtney? Oh my goodness. I cannot believe I'm in the candy verse. This is a phenomenal occasion, man. You guys only have the most illustrious guests. So to be part of this is phenomenal. Thank you so much. Wait, Jen, did he just call himself illustrious? I think he just put himself right in that category, right? You only have illustrious guests, and, and I'm a guest. That makes me, my transit property, illustrious. Yeah, exactly. You guys really took a back step on this one. I have no idea. Hopefully, you can give your listeners a refund because I tell you what, all the other guests you know, have been illustrious. I will tell you, Dr. Dr. Jen and I circled the date on our calendar when we saw Double C coming in the house. We love it. Well, I've definitely been looking forward to this. Thank you so much. This is a super important topic to talk about. So I, I hope we get um, dive right into it. To be honest with you, I heard these, uh, these stories you guys were telling in the intro, and uh, I feel the exact same way. I bent down to pick up something the other day, and I heard this sound come from my knees. And I said, were those my knees making that sound? So You look around, right? Did I step on something? What's happening here? No, it, we all have a personal experience with osteoarthritis. So thank you for talking about this. Yeah. And so uh, for uh, people who are new, like um, 
new tourists in the Candyverse, uh, we should go ahead and let them know that the reason that we have Dr. Courtney Campbell on to talk about osteoarthritis is because not only is he um, an incredible veterinarian, but he's board certified in small animal surgery. And so he sees kind of the end stage of osteoarthritis, right? Like, I mean, what, what do you do when the arthritis is so bad that the dog can't walk? That is a really tough situation. But what do you do when the arthritis is so bad that your dog can't walk? And that's part of the reason why I'm so happy that we're having this conversation, because it's really about before that occurs. It's really about trying to prevent any dog or cat or any other pet from getting to that point where they can't walk. And that, I think, underscores the heart of this situation where they look at over 20% of dogs over the age of one having osteoarthritis. And I honestly think that that's a gross underestimation of the amount of dogs who have osteoarthritis. And they also look at 80% of dogs over the age of eight have osteoarthritis. So if we're seeing dogs at 20%, which is underestimate in my opinion, if we're seeing dogs who over the age of eight, 80% of them have osteoarthritis, we know there's a lot of dogs out there who not only have OA or osteoarthritis, who are walking around right now and it's undetected and they're in pain right now. Yeah. Undetected by us. The dog knows about it, right? They're like, oh, ouch, ouch, this hurts. Ouch, ouch. Let's back up for just a second because we, you know, we always have to start with the basics to make sure we're all on the same page. Is there a definition, like if, if you make a diagnosis of osteoarthritis, we're talking about significant inflammation in a joint, right? But it's related to the bone or is there any other details about that diagnosis, that definition that we should know? That's part of the situation that I, I used to have these catchphrases that I would use, particularly with, with cancer diagnosis, but this can apply for osteoarthritis. And these phrases I would use were, know your enemy and know where it lives. Okay, that just got very serious. Jason, did you hear that? I did, and he said it very seriously. I had to back up a little bit. We're going to talk about where the enemy lives a little bit later, but who is the enemy? And the enemy that we're fighting right now is osteoarthritis. So we got to define the terms, and not, not to jump back into medical lingo because most people are like, I don't want anything to do with it. But you and I know, itis means inflammation for sure. Osteo means bone. And then the arthur part right in the middle of it is just joint. So we have inflammation of the joint and the bone. And because there's so much inflammation, we're seeing changes to the bone. So, you know, you look at things like the joint gets thicker, the joint fluid, there's more of it. It's not as thick. You know, you start seeing changes on the bone, which we call a periosteal reaction. So we see all of these things, but a pet parent can't see those things. You and I can't see those things on the surface. What they see is the signs of it. All the stuff that you just brought up and we talked about is that pain that stiffness, that I don't want to move in the morning or after a nap, I get up, I look stiff. I think one of the most common histories I see is, or I hear is, doc, it's so weird. My dog's so stiff after a nap. He doesn't want to get up. But you know what's weird? It's almost like he warms out of it. He takes a couple steps and he starts feeling good. So if you're at home and you're seeing your dog or cat walk around and they're like stiff and then they quote unquote warm out of it, that's one of the signs I think you should look for. Why did you say, quote, unquote, you don't think they warm up out of it? Are you against that uh, diagnosis there? You know what? It, it, but it's not a warming, though, Jason. That's what I love about it, Dr. Jason, is that it's not a warming. It's just the fact that all that fluid, that joint fluid builds up, it hurts. It really hurts because your joints are inflamed. But once you start to move, that joint fluid begins to dissipate, and then the pain and the inflammation goes away. So really what it could say is, the dam has been unleashed, right? It's backed up and then boom, the plumbing is now restored. So it's not a warming, it's more of a, 
the plumbing is now restored. Yeah, it's not like a muscle where you, where you do stretch out and kind of warm up into it. It's like when I start my little car. It's an electric vehicle? No. Does it have the floor out where you can run and the car moves at the same time? Have you ever seen the Flintstones, Jen? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that no. bad, right? That's not bad. But no, it's not that bad. Okay. But, um, but it's older, right? Like it's a 06, right? It's a 06 350Z for those of you in the Candyverse who are um, car nuts. I go start it, and then I come back in the house and get ready to go where I'm going to go. So it warms up. All the lubricants have to move around. I got to get the oil flowing through it and all that. I really like the way you look at that. And I think that to continue the metaphor, you can't let a car sit there in a garage, particularly if it's a, you know, I don't want to call your car a jalopy, Jen, no offense. But if you have a car, you know what I mean? And it's slightly older, you can't let it sit in the garage. You have to move. And so I think one of the biggest fights, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but one of the biggest fight osteoarthritis is keep the body in motion. That's a great thing to get to. So I want to talk about how do we diagnose it in the clinic when we hear that history that you mentioned. And then I want to talk even more about the prevention that you talked about and how we're going to address it clinically. But we got to take a break. So folks, stay tuned because... Dr. Courtney's going to explain it all on the other side of this break. What makes dogs happy? Dogs just want to have a good time. And that means plenty of walks and plenty of play. That's why I like Sanovi G4 Joint Health Soft Chews from Alanco. These tasty supplements are an antioxidant-rich joint supplement that promotes healthy hips and joints for everyday mobility. They contain naturally derived ingredients like green-lipped muscles, a natural source of chondroitin, and turmeric. Taken as directed, Sanovi G4 Joint Health Chews can help keep your dog active and help with occasional stiffness. Want to know more? Check out the link in this episode for more information. Oh, sure. It's all fun and games until someone ends up in a cone. That's right. We are animals. Deal with it. Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Oh, okay. Thank you so much for bringing us back. And thanks for giving us a break, Dr. Jen. I had to get up and move around a little bit because Dr. Courtney said, don't let old things sit. So, you know, I had to get up and move my joints. I feel so much better. This is so much. This is great. I mean, I've already, I've already learned a lot about osteoarthritis and it helps me in my daily exercise. Okay. Carry on with life while I keep bending my knees. Dr. Jason, you are not old old enough that's no fair you know you guys are both young in spirit man and that's that's what i love about you know we're talking about this right now is you, you got to stay youthful dr courtney dr courtney that's got nothing to do with it because she knows if i'm old guess what she is no see you're not old jason not you're not even halfway there yeah that's right i'm young great moving on so now that we understand a little bit about the definition of osteoarthritis and what that diagnosis conveys right it means you've got inflammation of the joint and the bone causing a lot of discomfort we know that apparently 20 percent of dogs over a year old have it but we think it could be more 
which is crazy, right? None of us think a year old dog is going to have osteoarthritis. That's a crazy stat, Dr. Corny threw out there. It is. And then, uh, what, 80% of dogs that are eight years or older? That makes sense. Probably more, right? We all, we all kind of expect that with an older person. I mean, I'm thinking 100%. Because also, doesn't body condition have something to do with it too? Most definitely. Thanks for bringing that up. Because what's like, why did my dog get this? Why does my dog have osteoarthritis? And what are some of the things that I can do to prevent it? Well, we know right off the bat, age has a big factor into it, but also obesity, right? And a lot of people don't want to mention the O word. That sounds harsh and they bristle at that. But really an increased body weight, if your dog is overweight, then certainly that is particularly a risk factor for developing osteoarthritis. And then also developmental conditions. If your dog has hip dysplasia, elbow dysplasia, if your dog has a OCD uh, or what's called osteochondrosis desiccans, OCD is not my dog washing his paws constantly. No, 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 no. It's not that obsessive compulsive disorder. The reality is this. It's like, you know, I hear this all the time and say, you know, we're, to, we're going to talk about treatment in a second. But when you talk about obesity and it being a risk factor for osteoarthritis, guess what one of the biggest treatments for it is? Maintaining a normal body weight. So I'll hear something like, you know, doc, ever since you recommended that my dog lose weight, it's like I've got a brand new dog. My dog lost 10% of his body weight or 20% of my body weight. He's now running. He grabs his toy. He runs outside. And so when I think about treatment against the enemy, which is osteoarthritis, what I'm thinking about is how do we maintain a normal body weight? But here's the rub. It's hard to get a normal body weight through exercise if your dog's uncomfortable. So how do you make a dog comfortable so that they can exercise and lose that body weight? It's a really tough situation. This sort of parallels humans. I mean, 100%, right? Because I'm going to hear that exact same thing when I go to my physician. But lose this amount of weight, you're going to feel like a new person. Doc, I can't run. hurts my knees, right? So uh, kind of the same thing. Listen, Jason, honestly, if you lost 10 pounds, man, there wouldn't be a whole lot left to you, man. You're already really lean guy, but... That's right. I'm sinewy. That's correct. That's correct. You are crazy. We'll have you back next week. No problem. No, but seriously, man, you know, the reality is if you already have a very lean body condition like yourself, Jason, or if you're at home or if you have a pet who's already lean, then you could start thinking about other forms of therapy and treatment. When I say maintain a lean body condition or fight obesity, that's not the end all be all. That's not the only treatment. So there are some pet parents listening right now who are like, yeah, my dog's already lean. What else is there to do? You know? So let's say they come to me in general practice and I say, wow, that chocolate lab looks great, except, you know, he's 15 pounds overweight. So dog loses the weight. He's running around a lot, but when he gets up, he's still very stiff, right? So we've got the weight down. We're wanting to exercise him at that point. Then what do I do as a clinician? I mean, I mean obviously I'm going to do some imaging, right? I'm going to take some x-rays. I'm going to have a look at it. Is there a way to kind of uh, grade that? Do we look at that? For me, I'm going to be like, oh, wow, it's bad, right? Like those hips are junk. Or is there something more defined, more refined and defined for grading osteoarthritis? Well, I think I love what I loved about that hypothetical scenario is that you were directly working with the owner. You're directly working with the family of that pet. And you're saying, hey, what's going on there? And they're saying, hey, it's stiff when I get up. And then uh, you're going ahead and proceeding with diagnostics. That one-two approach, that team approach, I think is so important because of this main reason. Number one, pet parents are by far the most uh, sort of bona fide and accurate resource of determining 
their pet's lifestyle. They spend the majority of the time with their pets. And also their pets are at home, not stressed. When a dog comes in the hospital, that adrenaline kicks in and they're giving you the best of their behavior, right? And so you've got the sort of the history from their family. And then you have the diagnostics that you are performing. Biggest diagnostic, your exam, your orthopedic exam. Where are all the joints that hurt? And then, of course, like you mentioned, the radiograph. So you can see changes that are on the bone or loss of joint space, which means that cartilage is being rubbed away. I think most people are familiar with that dreaded term, bone on bone. Nobody wants to hear that term, bone on bone. So when you hear that, you go, oh my goodness, that doesn't sound good. And the reality is, it's not good. So when you utilize that team approach, both what is the family telling you, then on top of that, your diagnostics, now you know kind of the grade. And I used to use terms like, you know, when I'm doing my exam, mild, moderate to severe. And, and I still do, right? But the challenge is I started to use a numerical score instead, meaning one, two, three, because by doing that, one, two, three, representing mild, moderate, severe, respectively, by doing that for me, it gives me a little bit more flexibility to establish my baseline. If I have, let's say I have a dog who's a two in pain on their knee, when they come back into me the next two week, maybe they're at a one and a half or maybe they're at a one. And it just gives me a little bit more variability so I can say, how much better are they than baseline? You don't look at them and go, those knees are junk. You don't say that? You nailed it right there because when I put up an x-ray, somebody says, my dog's x-rays are so bad. That arthritis is so bad. My dog must be in pain, right? And I say, you can't judge how painful a dog is based on x-rays. If you just showed me x-rays of a random dog and said, hey, doc, how much pain is this dog in? You know what I would say to you? I have no idea. Because the reality is that dog who has osteoarthritis in the hips are really horrible or hips are junk x-rays. He could be running around on the beach right now catching frisbees. Because sometimes a large percentage of dogs who have radiographic evidence or x-ray evidence of osteoarthritis, they show no pain or I should say minimal signs when they're walking and running around. So it really is, as you mentioned earlier, it really is about that team approach. One more thing that I have heard can produce or accelerate osteoarthritis, I guess. Jason, it's similar to TBV, but it's called TBS. Oh yeah, well, I'm, all, I'm very familiar with TBV, but I, I got no idea what TBS is. Hmm, I don't know, what's the S? Surgeon? Oh my goodness. I'm trying to figure out this acronym right now. It sounds like shots are being fired. Does that signify touched by surgeon? Yes, that's what we're saying. So is it true that any time that you go into a joint, that joint is going to be arthritic down the road? Is that true? What if I told you that you are entering a joint to fix a problem? Right. And so, if that underlying problem that you're trying to fix, it causes or potentiates osteoarthritis, is it the surgeon that touched the joint or is it the underlying problem that you're trying to? There's really two causes, right? It's dogs who had, you know, pre existing arthritis due to a, de a developmental issue or dogs who had an injury and then develop osteoarthritis because of that. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Previous trauma, previous injury, surgery, all of those things. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They could cause osteoarthritis. But TBS could also be the resolution, like the treatment for. We hope so, right? I like the way you put that. That's a really positive spin. I hope we could do that. And, and this is the part that I don't think anybody wants to talk about, is that, that we don't have a cure 
We don't have a pill. We don't have a, an injection that will cure osteoarthritis, but we do have some really effective management strategies. It's a little bit like heart disease, right? You can't cure heart disease. We're starting to really get an amazing handle on, on these dogs who are out there and they're just like, man, I just want to make my joints feel good so I could run and jump and play. And I think we're getting better each and every year on how do we make dogs more comfortable. So we talked about the history that can be associated with the diagnosis of osteoarthritis. We talked about statistics. We talked about how we're going to diagnose it with the imaging and then how we're going to talk about it, right? So that I know if you say grade 1.5 versus grade two, I know what we're talking about. So now we kind of get to, yeah, what are we going to do about it? And for my next dog, since there's no cure for this dog that already has it, I'm going to manage it, right? We're going to talk about that, how we're going to manage it in that dog. And then for my next dog, how am I not going to arrive here so quickly? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Listen, you and I, we could literally fill up semesters of information about how to manage osteoarthritis. You know what I mean? Because there's such a rich body of knowledge out there, but let's put it into two categories, pharmaceutical, non-pharmaceutical, right? And the non-pharmaceutical, let's talk about that first, because I think that's super important. We've already touched on the big one, right? Maintain a normal body condition or maintain a leaner body condition. Even if your dog is what we describe as close to ideal, I know some people use a a scale of nine or a scale of five, but I typically use the nine scale, nine being morbidly obese, one being emaciated. Ideal is somewhere like four and a half, five. Let's say your dog's a six. Even just by getting into that five or four can make them feel a heck of a lot better, right? So now we've already talked about the biggest one. Number two, I usually start with my joint protectants. Um, I know that the use of glucosamine chondroitin is somewhat controversial or the evidence has been somewhat equivocal, but I've certainly talked to a lot of people who are like, yes, this is definitely helpful. And so what you'll find a lot in different companies is that they're combining the best of all those worlds. So glucosamine, chondroitin, green lip muscle, omega-3 fatty acids. And then on top of that, green lip muscle has its own unique set of omega-3 fatty acids and chondroitin. The evidence on MSM has been also somewhat controversial. So the bottom line is I would start there. Good body condition, your joint supplements, uh, physical therapy. I know a lot of people really enjoy seeing the benefits of laser and acupuncture and those non-pharmaceutical modalities. But the reality is I've seen so many dogs become so much more comfortable on pharmaceuticals. Dude, if you have achy joints, you might take an anti-inflammatory yourself and you're like, ah, oh, that feels so much better. And so I certainly believe in of an integrated approach or the catch term that you'll hear a lot is a multimodal approach. You can try a bunch of different things. And by doing those things, you never have to max out on any one thing. And therefore, you avoid potential adverse effects. I would agree with that. But there are enough drugs in the universe that no creature should be uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, they just really shouldn't. But one quick thing that I think um, a lot of pet owners and some veterinarians can be confused about is if we're talking about those non-pharmaceutical interventions, like the supplements that you're talking about, those are not going to cure or treat the arthritis, the osteoarthritis. They're just going to help with the, retard the progress maybe, and help with the 
ongoing discomfort, right? Right. And then listen, I think you nailed it spot on is that if you are thinking my dog's arthritis is going to be cured using any of these nutraceuticals, right? Which is a nutraceutical is like in between a supplement and a pharmaceutical, right? It's right in between. And we know it has some health benefits, but it's not regulated like a pharmaceutical is. So, right. So if you think it's going to cure your dog's osteoarthritis, you definitely need to modify your expectations in regards to that. But if you want to improve your dog's ability to move, your dog's behavior, their demeanor, their posture, all of that is so important. Their quality of life. Yeah, their quality of life. Thank you for mentioning that's so important because listen, something else we didn't talk about before is something called central sensitization, where centrally there's a wind-up phenomenon or what we call allodynia. The way I make that analogy too is like a sunburn. Right? If I tapped your back and you had a sunburn, it's not the tap necessarily that's the painful stimulus. It's the fact that you're sunburned. And that's the case with central sensitization in which you are so chronically inflamed from pain, from osteoarthritis, that literally anything hurts. I push here, you go, ouch. You move there, I go, ouch. And so by starting supplements early, by diagnosing it early, you prevent your dog from developing that chronic pain and inflammation, which prevents, as you mentioned, a poor quality of life and that central sensitization. That's why I think it's so important. Also, last little tidbit that I think you kind of alluded to is that by themselves, the nutraceuticals aren't necessarily going to get you to the point where you're pleased with that quality of life, but they work in the background. So there's some evidence showing that a diet rich in omega-3 fatty acids will lower the amount of anti-inflammatory needed by 25%. So by themselves, they don't necessarily produce that analgesia that we all want for our dogs, for our pets, but they work in the background. And that's what I love about it. Dr. Courtney, does increased exercise while you're, while you're doing all this stuff, does that help hinder or have no effect on it? Should we take the dogs who knowing that their, their joints are painful, give them some stuff and then just start them on a, not just to help with the weight loss and the body condition and all that kind of stuff, but just the extra mobility. I know it helps me, or at least I pretend it does. If I walk around and move around more than just sit, is that, is that something we should do for our dogs as well as part of the MMA? So should we do that with our dogs or not? Or should we just kind of treat them as normal? I guess maybe you're going to tell me it depends on the dog, the age, the confirmation, all that kind of stuff. But no. You know, honestly, I wish my answer was going to be nuanced like that. But the reality is I just want to thank you for bringing us back to basics because the basics are number one, get a lean body condition. Jason never left the basics. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm st- I just live in the world of basics. That's okay. It's fine. Makes life easier. No, for real, man. I mean, basic number one, get your dog a lean body condition. Basic number two, get your dog exercised and get your dog moving. And movement is life. It's a, it's a let's move campaign. It's about every dog, I believe, should be able to do at least a 10 to 15 minute walk twice a day on a flat surface. If your dog cannot do that, a 10 to 15 minute walk on a flat surface, I'm not talking about running around chasing the Amazon guy. I'm talking about just a flat surface walking on the sidewalk. The question becomes, if your dog can't do that, if your dog can't do a 10 to 15 minute walk twice a day on a flat surface, let's get your dog more comfortable so they can do that. And that will definitely help. So number one, if there's anything, anybody listening and your your listeners are very, very dedicated and avid listeners, if there's anything that they can do to help their dog, number one, we know lean body condition, but number two, exactly like what Jason said is just get your dog in a nice low impact exercise motion to help their joints and maintain muscular integrity, musculoskeletal integrity. 
Listen, another thing that I was told way back when was don't start this, these animals on drugs. Like if you take an x-ray and you have a radiograph and you see all, like you said, you see all this stuff and, and you're looking at it and without any other history, you would think, okay, my gosh, that dog can't walk, right? But it turns out this Labrador is just running around like an idiot, right? Should they start them on anything preventive and maybe some nutrition, not necessarily drugs or just say, you know, some vets will say, hey, listen, as long as the dog can handle it, don't start them on the drugs or anything like that until such time as they, you know, start to limp around. Should we base treatment on signs manifesting or base it on, you know, the radiograph or, or, you know what I'm saying? Like if you have an older dog exam, you take a radiograph, oh my gosh, it shows up. Should we go ahead and start him on something, even though, even though he doesn't show any signs, maybe he's super painful, but he's just tough. I don't really know. It's sort of a question I get. That's an excellent question because I don't think we have a lot of evidence on that. Can these nutraceuticals work prophylactically as far as preventative or protective orthopedics? Uh, when you talk about medical orthopedics, the results and the studies uh, are somewhat um, different, right? And I just mentioned the, how controversial glucosamine and chondroitin can be. So I think that the reality is when you're talking about treatment, it can get controversial. If now, if you're talking about taking a step back as far as prevention and using prophylactic therapies to prevent it from uh, manifesting itself, that becomes even sketchier. And I don't want to use that word, but it just becomes much more debatable. So for me, if your dog is not showing, if your dog is uh, showing radiographic evidence or x-ray evidence of osteoarthritis, and you are concerned that your dog may develop osteoarthritis, the reality is I would not mind starting that dog on a protective joint supplement or on a nutraceutical, particularly if your dog doesn't have any under, underlying allergies, if your dog tolerates those supplements well, because you know, above all else, do no harm kind of mentality. A lot of these dogs really enjoy it. It increases that human animal bond because people use it as treats, right? If there's some benefit that we discover later on that these supplements help to protect the joint, then I certainly believe in that. And I, and I have advocated the use of supplements as for dogs showing x-ray evidence of osteoarthritis who may not show signs. And here's the last little tidbit I'll say is because a lot of pet owners they just don't know what to look for. So who's to say that that dog is not actually showing signs because they're just not sure of what they're seeing at home? But I think because it comes on slowly over time. Like if you saw a snapshot, if you could show the owner, like, here's your dog two years ago and you show him running. And then here he is today, they'll be like, oh my God, how did I not notice that? Well, because it's an insidious onset, right? It's like when you add the boiling water to the pot. So <laughs> the lobster doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know. And uh, you're, you're exactly right because, you know, it, it comes on so slowly. And, uh, you, know, you know, Jason, you, you hit on the nail on the head. I've actually heard many pet owners say, you know, is, is your dog limping? Yeah, he, you know, he keeps it in the air the entire time. He's a three-legged dog, but he's not in any pain. It only hurts when he puts it down. <laughs> I think one of the most ostensible signs of discomfort and pain is limping. So to hear somebody say necessarily my dog's limping bad or he keeps it in the air the entire time, but he's not in pain. I think what they're alluding to is he's not complaining about it. Yeah, but you know, we're the ones that complain about it. Dogs and cats, they're just going to hide it until we see the marked signs, right? The really bad signs. And that's when now we've got to step in. You said this word twice so far, and it's kind of interesting in this conversation. Dr. Courtney, you said the word cat. Yeah, there are these four-legged creatures with whiskers. That... Cats don't get sick, right? Isn't that why they are the ideal pet, especially a smash-faced cat? They don't get sick, right? What's so fascinating about cats is and I think you and I, all of us, us three, we've heard this so many times in vet school, you know, backwards and forwards, entering and leaving vet school. And what have we heard over and over and over again? 
cats are not small dogs. They are very different. And so uh, there are studies uh, indicating that 80 to 90% of older cats have radiographic evidence of osteoarthritis. So it's actually more common. But when, when they get up, do they have all of those similar clinical signs that dogs do? Not really. That a lot of them will show other signs that are not necessarily attributed that you wouldn't readily attribute to osteoarthritis. How about hiding under the bed? I thought that was like called Wednesday. Right, exactly. Or being less active. And cats can sleep upwards to 18 hours a day, a normal cat. So a cat that's sleeping more, you go, oh, it's just old age. How about a cat who's a little bit more grumpy? But when you look at all the clinical signs attributed to osteoarthritis in cats, do you know what the one most prominent clinical sign reported from uh, cat owners and, uh, and cat families all across the United States? It was a reluctance to jump. So that one thing we attribute now to cats experiencing osteoarthritis, which is not something, which is not something that we necessarily see uh, or would report in dogs. Yeah. I mean, although as my dogs get older, they have a reluctance to jump. <laughs> yes. Yes. I actually have a reluctance to jump too, and I'm getting older. They have a reluctance to jump because when they do, it doesn't turn out well. Yeah. Right? Jumping like, is never the issue. I don't know what you're, it's landing. Jumping is no problem, right? It's, yeah, the jumping is easy, right? It's the landing, right? When they like slide down out of the car, they tried to jump up in and they didn't make it and they slide down, right? All right, Jason, anything else? Any, any from you want to like ask him for some sort of recommendation on what you should take so you don't make all those noises? Maybe off air, 100% off air. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want that to go. I don't want that to go out to the Candyverse for sure. Just uh, to continue to show love to the Candyverse and to our listeners, and because Dr. Courtney joined us here on the podcast, uh, we're going to give away some yoga mats so that maybe you could do some some yoga with your dog, maintain that limber and lovely physique. I believe it's called Doga. Doga. Do doggy. Well, does that make goat yoga goga? I don't know if it's called yoga. Courtney, do you, do you do yoga? In full disclosure, I did yoga several times during the quarantine, and it did not uh, work out well for me. That's better than my story. Listen, I went to the old person, the gentle yoga. It was me and a bunch of octogenarians, right? And the only one making noise was me. I didn't go back, right? I was like, oh, it's terrible. If you haven't done yoga, it is incredibly humbling just how bad you are at it, you know, when you first start. So I give kudos to all my yoga practitioners out there who are experts because I've got a long, long way to go. Dr. Courtney, you think Jen's ever done yoga? We could take a quick vote. I don't know. If I had to take an over under on that, I'm going to say she's tried it once. I'm going to go with I'm taking the under. Never. And that will remain a mystery. Oh, she's not even going to tell us. It's terrible. She's not playing the game. <laughs> No, uh, that will remain a mystery, friends. Dr. Jason, what are they going to email us in order for us to um, send out some yoga mats? What do you mean? Like an answer to a question? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. You popped this on me. I don't have any idea. Let's see. Um, Why don't they um, maybe send us like what the effective component of green-lipped muscle is? Okay, that'd be great. I'm already disqualified from that one. So that's, that's fantastic. You're disqualified anyway. Oh, that's right. What do you think, Dr. Courtney? Would that be a good thing for some folks to email in and uh, get um, a vet candy yoga mat? Yeah, I, I like that. Or what's the name of the approach to treat osteoarthritis? You know, I know that Jason used the acronym in the sentence. What acronym did Dr. Jason use to, as, a, as an approach to treat osteoarthritis? Isn't that like a fight style or something? Yeah, <laughs> mixed martial arts, yes. Of course, that's why we used it, right? Yeah, uh, right? Okay. Hey. I know my acronyms, fellas. 
this has been an excellent discussion about something that I think obviously is affecting the majority of our canine companions and some of our feline companions and Jason and me. None of us can hide from it. We, you know, we know osteoarthritis is out there. It's lurking. And uh, we're doing everything we can, including this awesome conversation right now on how to fight it. So. Yeah, I'm sorry. You, you, you guys caught me. I was, I was doing deep knee bends. Sorry, I was not near the mic. So I had to pop up there. Sorry. The number one thing for practitioners, though, when, we, when they start down the path discussing a diagnosis of osteoarthritis, or even with the last puppy visit, when you want to talk about how to prevent some issues moving forward is maintain that lean body weight and keep the exercise up. I definitely think if there's one thing that we talked about today is utilize the approach called the whole dog. Look at the whole dog. And that includes the interview with the family. What kinds of things are they doing at home? Looking at where are the joints? How bad are the joints? How bad is the, the pain score? Like you mentioned, the one, two, three approach. Uh, look at signs for neuropathic pain. And we'll talk about that on another episode of how do you evaluate neuropathic pain in dogs? Uh, and that's what that we call that central sensitization. So, and then of course, the radiographs that you mentioned. And I, I think that's the approach. Look at the whole dog or a whole cat and then utilize either a non-pharmaceutical or a pharmaceutical approach to going going forward. Oh, and I guess I guess I have one quick question to follow up on that, which is a little bit out of sync, but when I take those x-rays and I say, whoa, wow, those hips are junk. So then we start on a good regimen, they lose the weight, they become more active. Am I looking for any sort of radiographic resolution or is it going to look the same? So should I prepare owners for that? Or what am I looking at radiographically after they really adhere to a good regimen for like six months or a year? Yeah, the dirty word that nobody wants to talk about is progressive. That's, that's the real word. And progressive means it's going to get worse because that's the way osteoarthritis looks. So it's either going to be static, meaning it's going to look pretty similar to the x-rays you took last time, or it's going to look slightly worse. But guess what? None of us three as doctors, none of us treat x-rays. We treat the whole dog, which is what we just talked about. So if you're treating the whole dog and you're not treating x-rays, that means when that dog comes in after your regimen, he's happier, his movement, his quality of life is better. But guess what? His x-rays look about the same. So let's treat the dog, let's treat the cat and not treat x-rays. Excellent. Great point. And also I would point out that's tricky for me because all dogs are happy to see There you go. I love it, man. Shout out to Charlene. Yes, <laughs> we do love Charlene. That's all I have. Jason, Jason, you got any other questions for Courtney about osteoarthritis? No, not that I'm uh, willing to ask on air. So we're going to talk about weight and all that kind of stuff. This is off-air stuff. Yeah, 100%. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on In Other News for a lovely episode. Thank you again, Dr. Courtney Campbell. It was lovely. It was lovely to join you. Thank you so much. So I'm Dr. Jen. And I'm Dr. Jason. And we'll see you on the next episode of In Other News. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.